Welcome to the Knock on Archery podcast, where we bring all archers and bow hunters together from all walks of life with the goal to educate, empower, and inspire you to be better both in the field and on the range. All right, all right. What's up, everybody? Knock on podcast. Who knows what? Uh, it's been an awesome week. Last week was very busy creating content this week is was also busy had i've got several uh students that have been filtering through here mainly people who have you know somehow or another like won an awesome experience so with my students normally comes content because seasonally i think about different things at different times of the year so this is the time of year where I'm doing a lot of teaching, a lot of talking, a lot of shooting, um, and, you know, a lot of honestly cleaning up my own mess when it comes to my form and technique. But uh, I've got a really cool dude with me here, Preston Farrier, uh, and you actually got uh, got to come here through one of our mutual friends that kind of, you know... Hook, uh, hook me up yeah yeah uh which was cool i'm totally down with that and you were kind of the perfect the perfect uh surprise guest just because i'm i'm busy you were busy too and we kind of just knew when the time was going to come to meet up and then when we got here i didn't really know much about you because it was you know it lucky, was more, lucky you it, yeah it was <laughs> it was a favor ask right um and so as we started talking and and realized, you know, you kind of you had your Pope and Young uh, life member vest on last night. Was it a life member vest? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think it was, and I kind of noticed that. And then you know, after we had already talked a little bit of hunting for a while, I didn't know how much you were really into hunting. If I'm honest, I just kind of like, well, yeah. last night I, I told you I'm like I want to show you one deer, right? Um, but I'm not to most people uh, it would look like five deer to mind (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah I just kind of so I started talking a little bit of hunting to you and then realized like you made one comment just like a small one you just kind of said like yeah I forgot what it was something about you know well um well I think I said like do you know Joel because we somehow or another we got on the subject of uh the Matthews or whatever. And I said, uh, I go, well, you were a life member. So I said, I wonder if, um, Joel Maxfield got his slam yet. Cause I kind of, honestly, I feel like I remember him sending me a picture when he did, um, like maybe a text. I can't remember like I'm horrible that way, especially if I, that's hunting season. So like hunting season, I kind of don't want to hear from people. <laughs> If I'm honest, I'm just like, so like, oh my God, I got a phone signal. I'm back at camp. I want to sleep or eat. That's like my two things. And then you said, yeah, Joel and I both got our slam on the same day. Well, they awarded us the same. Oh, okay. On the same night. Okay. I kind of thought by chance you guys both knew you were one away and then did it. So, uh, so Preston, which number were you? 42. Was he first or were you first? I don't know. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. So you're number 42 for number the Super 42. Slam. Yeah. Super Slam. Well, first of all, thanks for having me in the uh, most awesome man cave known to mankind. <laughs> <laughs> it is so cool. Yeah. I, I, um, 
and you're actually in like one of my little personal spots right here. Um, we're not actually in the podcast studio. So yeah, this is, this is like my R and D center. You know, you're kind of in here so you can kind of feel the vibe of what's going on. Um, we'll tell some listeners what the grand slam is. So, uh, the grand slam is, uh, the four North American sheep. And the Super Slam is the all 29 North American big game animals um, and did that uh, uh, all archery. So when did when did you really like put your mind towards I, I want to be able to get all, all of them? It was uh, so I bow hunted. I've bow hunted since I was uh, 12 and I shot my last uh, deer with a gun in 1989 and uh seriously yeah just been locked up that's uh, awesome and into it since then and uh i graduated junior high (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna refrain from uh, commenting on that but um so uh did a couple um uh adventure hunts like uh did a uh a barren ground uh in alaska Barren ground cat caribou caribou for those listening yep and uh and then did a bear hunt or two and i just loved it because even though it's still hunting it was completely different experiences yeah, it yeah, was like yeah. one was one experience and one was completely different and i'm thinking and i'd had a couple i've shot some other you know um on the on the list but i'm thinking man if uh if all 29 are that different this is going to be cool. Are they? Um, there are some that are similar, but uh, for the most part, uh, even the sheep are different. Each you know? sheep's different. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I've honestly never had a passion for it. Like I've never, I've never thought like I want to do. I want to do a you know a slam. You know, I've just. We need. We I'm need not to get really a trophy. I'm not really sure. a trophy person. Right. Though, right. Too. I mean, you've been in my, you've been in most of my personal spaces now because you've been a guest. Hey, 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 hey! Not all of them. No, Let's let the record yeah, show. Yeah, okay. Hold up. Uh, yeah. Hold up. Um, but you're in my wine cellar. That's <laughs> that's which is pretty small. Uh, but no, I, I think I've never been a trophy person, so maybe that's why it hasn't really been. But what's funny about that, and the reason I even say that is because you just said one thing that like made like a little spark like hit my eyebrow like hmm because the when people ask me the question what's my favorite thing to hunt I don't really know how to answer it because I like different things during the different times when that thing is awesome right like, if you ask me what's my favorite thing to hunt in May, I'm going to say spot and sock black bears, you know. Um, if you ask me in August, I'm going to say, you know, I love hunting the, the early season in Alberta. You yeah. Know? I'm going to say, like, I love that. I just love it. Um, September is a no-brainer, right? October, for me, has always been moose. But... I've never been able to answer because it's the experience. Like they're all so different. So then once you said that, I thought like, what am I missing out on? (laughs) 
Yeah. Because, I, I mean, <clears throat> you know, I, I really love doing the things that I do, and I turn down other opportunities because, like, we talked about that when you said, have you ever had a – have you ever had a passion to shoot a sheep? And I said, I never have. I love bears. Like, I love hunting bears. I don't turn those down. I love hunting elk, and I love hunting mule deer, and I love hunting whitetails during the rut. Kind of, I'm not a huge early season whitetail fan. Like, they just look different. Like, I like them when they fill out. I like them when they're, you know, when they're filled out, when they stink. Like, you know, I like that. Like elk, I honestly don't mind. Like, I don't need a bugling. I don't need a bugling elk. Like, I'd, I honestly, I'd probably be down with some early season elk, too, if they talked. I do like them talking, but I, I could I could do without the smelly part on the elk just because it's so big and smelly. Um, so you wanted to hit these other adventures, like, so you had bear, deer, elk, obviously, were in there. Caribou. So when did things start getting crazy? Um, probably my first goat hunt. Yeah. Uh, and I think you would be the perfect sheep hunter because it is. I've guided. I've guided people, and I've I've gone on people when they draw the, draw their tags. Which what what uh, what sheep? Uh. Bighorns and dolls okay. and and uh, so you get the mental and the physical aspect of it. That's oh yeah, that's kind I'm of like totally it. down with that. But like I said, for me, it's all it always has come down to if I choose a hunt like that, depending on the location. Like when I look at like, well, it's going to be a 12 to 14 day hunt, right? 10 10 day hunt minimum travel. Um, I kind of think like. Mm. It's going to keep me from killing. Yeah. If I go to Alberta that. for 12 days, I've got like five tags in my pocket. I'm down with that. Or like I'm down to go to Africa for 14 days. You know, that would get ugly. It has. <laughs> it <laughs> would ha- get way yeah, ugly. It, ha- it has. <laughs> um, and I, and I honestly, I loved it and I haven't been there in a while. But it was, it was, it was so different. Like I've never looked at it. I've never looked at it from what you just said. I feel like you, in a, you've made me curious, especially like at this point in my life, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm like trying to, I'm trying to turn down my volume and turn up my family time is what I'm, you know, trying to do hunting volume. I like, that's why I go hot and heavy when I can go. Like when I know she's like, okay, you're getting ready to do it. I'm, I'm thinking, okay, I have this time window where my family knows I'm going to get after it. Yeah. And so how hard can I get after it during that window of time? Like, that's how I'm looking at it. You had to like this, this was like years. Oh yeah. How yeah, long, once, once when I, did you make the decision? It took and from then, when yeah it was, it was I think it was thirteen years. Oh gosh. Yeah, and I yeah you know, I can't even go any farther without giving my wife huge huge kudos because you know me leaving for two weeks and uh, you got you four or five days of travel on either side of that and then coming home for a couple of weeks and then going again is really really hard on her. She my my wife's a rock star. Is there like a I don't even I don't even know this, but um, is there like a 
kind of a a time a calendar that you can like make to where it's like okay uh, i'm trying to think how it let's say uh look you know well like the first time uh sharon and i were going to train to run a marathon it was you know we had this thing that was like you know run a marathon in six months so it kind of like mapped it out Mm -hmm. for you is there like a mapped out plan kind of like hey these are the animals you're going to have to get during this time here's animals you'd have to get during this time like so typically i'm booking three years in advance good grief you you have to because you know the there are um certain outfitters that you want for certain uh animals Mm -hmm. and we can talk a little bit more about that if anybody's interested we can talk about making sure that you uh not only get a, a outfitter that takes bow hunters and enjoys bow hunters but you got to get a guide that bow hunts and gets it yeah because i know if i wanted like if i wanted another kodiak grizz i'm calling cole kramer oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know i'm like, buddy, I, like I know i know Nick just killed one with him this oh year. did he yeah did he so yeah I, like i know there's certain spots where i would be like cole I'm going to do this, like, when do I need to have it on my calendar? So you had to do that yeah, 20-something times with different species, right? Yeah, well, and then, you know, you eat some tag soup along the way, right? Yeah. So that, that hurts. <laughs> that hurts a lot, actually. Um, you're gone all that time, and uh, you know, work suffers, home suffers, and you come back, and you I got to do it again, yeah. right? And then, so you got to book it again three years out. You know, some, like... Uh, uh, a bighorn tag waited five years yeah you know to get grief. in that uh that bow zone i ha- i do i do Denmark. have interest on a bighorn like i that one at some point a yukon moose and a bighorn will be something that i dedicate time to for sure i would like to just i would like to experience that you know those two things one time but i don't know if i'm there yet they're pretty awesome i mean uh what was Alaska's. your favorite? What was your favorite? Give me your top five. Picking a favorite could be really hard. Could I know be really because pe- they're so different. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it might have been the people. It might have been the people in camp. It might have been um, something crazy like we were talking. We were both in Alaska during yeah. the earthquake and the tsunami and all of that. Yeah, yeah. And I'm on an island, um, right off a of Kodiak and uh, a Fognac and we uh, walk up to the lodge and all our phones start going off because they had Wi-Fi up there and uh, tsunami's coming. You're like, what? <laughs> okay, I think I'm going to climb this eight-foot tree and, you know, <laughs> that's about all I can do. But yeah, so that would be, uh, and that hunt was amazing. It was uh, Sitka Blacktail. Yeah. And that's not a difficult hunt. Um, yeah. But it was, it was great. I mean, you're off of Kodiak, you're, your uh, antenna's up. 24 7 you know because the, there's pretty thick in bears and they want those deer as badly as you do <laughs> um you know I, I would uh we talked a little bit about polar bears yeah um i this is this is fascinating so polar bears are one of the animals and honestly mm-hmm. i love bears um one of the things I have around me, I don't think he went downstairs, but one of the things I do have around me are bear skulls. Like I, I really, I do, I, I really like bears. They're cool. You know, and, and some They're of a my, lot of fun to some shoot. of my closest friends are from my bear experiences. So, um, but polar bears are one that, 
you know, I've like entertained, but you can't get them back. Like you can't bring them back. And I, and I had talked to Joel about, you know, about this. And then I asked you about polar bears and, um, you told me a fascinating statistic on the polar bears for like regulation. Cause I know it's a sore spot for a lot of people, but, um, so that's the most, what'd you say? The polar bear, it was, it's the most, uh, well-managed species in North America. And that's crazy. Without this a is, doubt, the Canadian government just does an awesome job of that. That's, that's, so how many bears are there? You said for population? Well, they, the, uh, they do a survey every other year or every year. And, um, the survey they came back with my year was 28,000, um, but the number is significantly higher than that. <laughs> and yeah, I've heard there's way more than what they show you. Yeah. Like when they say they, they intentionally they, keep that number. Yeah. Down. When they say like, Hey, they're going to be extinct. If you hunt them from the hunters I've said, are like, dude, no, they're like going down in size because they're running out of food. Like they're just, you know, it's like massive numbers, you know, the, uh, and, <clears throat> and so, the reason they're they're on the threatened list is because uh, a certain administration that really um, I don't want to get too political. I don't want to get any political, but yeah. it was the population of bears are, is fine, but global warming is going to cause the polar ice cap to melt. So we need to put them on the threatened list ahead of time. Yeah, and so that's how they got on the threatened list, even though the, the, the population yeah. was great. Do you agree with that? No. Okay. <laughs> they can swim and they can eat anything. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, the, the year I went, the uh, um, Canadian government issued 50 permits. Yeah. And so if the, uh, the, the species, so if you can't bring it in the States, right? Mm-hmm. It's not worth as much to um, the supply and demand curves, right? They're right. going to be, the, the demand is going down. Supply is still high, so the price is going to go down. Well, the majority of that money goes to these villages. Yeah. And if they're they getting a lot it. of money for these bears, yep. they're going to manage the species mm-hmm. because they don't they don't have any limits. And when the, the when the cost per bear is down, they don't care as much. So they're shooting sows, they're shooting cubs. They don't care. They're looking for groceries. Yeah. But if the price is high, then they're really going to manage the species, and they're only going to take big mature boars yeah and so it's kind of a they think they're helping but they're actually you know hurting the cause yeah. when i was up there I, you can I saw a lot of uh small you know cub bears and uh sows that they had shot just to eat and and the, then they sell the skin Jeez. But, but anyway that the reason that would that would probably be uh it's my one of my most miserable hunts because uh, I'm from Florida and I hate <laughs> cold weather. My blood is so thin. And uh, so it was like wicked uh, cold. But I've never had a hunt that goes from zero to 200 miles an hour that fast. Yeah. Because you're, uh, you have to hunt from a sled to be yeah. legal. And you're basically, you're rolling. To be legal? Yeah. yeah oh, really? To, yeah. And um, so you're just rolling and then you see an iceberg and you climb up on the iceberg and you glass kind of like a you know sheep hunting if you don't see anything you go to the next iceberg and then when when you uh when you see one um 
hopefully it's with the sow so you can see if it's a bigger bear or not. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the, the one that we locked in on was a big, uh, uh, a, a big boar and had a sow. And so... Are you there during breeding season normally? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. you kind of need two together to be able to judge. It helps a lot. Yeah, I was going to say. It helps a lot. Plus, you've got two more sets of tracks because you're cutting tracks yeah. when you're coming across. And um, so you we're on sleds, but once you engage on the bear, you got to uh, you let the dogs go, you, and you're hunting off a dog sled. So you're hunting on the dog sled, and this, uh, every animal I've ever seen, um, whether it be grizzly bear, brown bear, uh, cats, uh, cape buffalo, anything that like sees you, smells you, identify that's not wounded, identifies you as a human is hauling. Yeah. You know, this bear, we're making a beeline to it. It just turns and looks at us and sat down and goes, oh my gosh, my meal's coming to me. <laughs> and he didn't move until we got within... 70 yards and we're talking a pack of 15 dogs and yeah. you know the whole everything that goes with it and it just it really went from zero to 200 miles an hour like that so that was that was great and the cold was just miserable did they ever bail in the water for like escape like do they see that as you know as yeah, like oh yeah. a way where they know the dogs aren't jumping in there and stuff do they when like we're there everything's frozen okay the okay. whole the whole the bay is frozen um but he did um jump in a seal hole that's what I, seal. yeah that's what i was wondering if and they that, would that kind of made my shot a lot more difficult because i had to shoot down and um couldn't get to him so i ended up i mean as most people when they shoot a polar bear is 25 or 30 yards and right. um because i had to get up on top of a big chunk of ice it was yeah. 52 which is yeah, that's about, pretty. That's pretty big for for a polar bear. It is usually they're they're a little closer. Yeah, and I've never been up there, so for me, like thinking of a freaking like an ice cliff that high kind of sounds wild. It sounds like where Superman's little hideout is. <laughs> I know we were waiting for the, <laughs> the, the stalagmites or whatever to come out of the, <laughs> the crypt, crypt, Krypton ice shells yeah. to come out. Um, all right, well, g- give me four more, dude. You said four. That was one. So I, I thought I said, three. give me five. Uh, Didn't I say top five? I don't know. We'll throw the replay flag and figure that out. But okay. It, um, so, well, I gave you a, uh, a fog knack just because that was Oh, that yeah, was an you adventure. did. So, okay. So, now we're down to three more. So. Uh, I forced polar bear into it. you got to go with, like, when most everybody that you talk to that have, that has finished or done this, um, the Super Slam, everybody's got a nemesis animal right there's something and it could be simple and easy and it just never comes together yeah or it could be you know a tougher one and my nemesis animal uh was a stone sheep which is uh one of the toughest i think in north america and um it's definitely one of the priciest <laughs> yeah you tell me <laughs> I, yeah i hope my kids don't listen they won't i don't want them to know how much of their inheritance i spent but uh, yeah. yeah um but yeah, it took, um, my, it was on my fourth trip. Um, Good grief. And uh, it was seven weeks, uh, three two-week trips. And then um, in the first week of uh, that that uh, that fourth. And hunt. I mean, with a bow, this is very, you know, this all this could have been completed on like trip one. Oh, yeah. With, with firearm, right? Yeah, yeah, so. for sure. 
for sure. And um, did you have did you have any misses in that? On the on the stone, yeah. I got my my first shot opportunity. Um, I uh, stuck it. It was about sixty four, sixty five. So you almost straight downhill. So your first shot opportunity period was the one you got. Yeah, Whew, dude. After four trips, you had to have been like thinking about like, do not mess this up. <laughs> the pressure. Remember, you told me how did you feel great afterwards? Yeah. I was like, no, it's like the pressure of you know ten thousand pounds coming off my shoulder. Did you finish on the stone? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I gotta so, show you a picture. I'm like. So you had gone four times. You needed the stone, and then it came down it was to a, quite a quite a shot. And the last day of that hunt, or no, no, it was. Uh, like day four, probably day three, day four, something Dang. like that. I got a fun picture. I'll, uh, okay. I'll so you. the stones in there. Yeah. You got two left. Wow. Um, don't say like Turkey or something. Not on the list. Huh? It's not, it's not, it's not I don't even know the list to be honest with you. That's how, that's how like, so you got all the bears, right? You got, um, black, brown, grizzly and polar yep you got five caribou yep one of which is shut down and unfortunately the quebec is shut down right now and it's been i went the last year and uh so is there a bunch of people on hold right now because of that one i unless they got it early on yeah oh gosh yeah um there's the the one-off kind of uh you got the bison and you got the a goat and mountain lion are kind of the individual there's five different kind of be- uh, deer you, uh you said you said bison mountain goat and then, and then what else did you say with that mountain lion yeah oh, okay yep yep um five different kind of deer we got white tail mule deer coos uh black tail colombian black tail oh, okay um yeah so wow uh it's hard, man. They're, they're just, they're so different. And some of the people you meet at camps, um, okay, this is a crazy story. So I'm on, I'm in Canmore. I've waited five years for this, five years for this tag. And um, the other guy uh, that was going um, on the hunt as well, he's been waiting five years and then he cancels. And they plug some guy in that had to wait six months. So I hate the guy already, right? I hate him. <laughs> I'm like, there's no way. And uh, so we, we both we both show up, and the guy's in just ridiculous shape. Like, I, I train hard mm-hmm. um, before before sheep hunts. I'm, I, I hit it really hard. You have to. Um, and he, this guy just left me in the guide, right? <laughs> That's Nick that I was talking about okay. earlier. Yeah. And um, so we're in the tent, and uh, it's a wall tent. It's 15 below outside and you wake up every morning everything's iced over and you got your eyes coming out of your your bag and it's like hey your turn to start the fire no no no, no. i did it yesterday it's your turn to fire. <laughs> yeah. so we did that ended up becoming great friends yeah and uh friends for life or never want to see each other again on a trip like that exactly sure. yeah exactly so um he came down turkey hunting um and uh brought his son a couple times and uh, then we went down and uh, stayed with him, and my daughter ends up um, 
dating his stepson <laughs> and they've been dating six years oh my god yeah i mean that's that's off of the side of a mountain and, yeah uh, which is kind of in yeah. canmore that's very cool so that that's got to be one up there just because yeah uh of uh family got one left one left one left uh man there's four elk species too right three elk species is there three mm-hmm. wait yellow you got the um rocky rocky roosevelt and Tule. is there yellowstone that's the same as a rocky okay well well it's for for this 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 purpose okay, okay. um roosevelt's a big animal have you hunted one of those I, ne- I never have no that's a big animal i've talked about it i have a friend of mine that i've kind of talked about doing that too but it honestly i have to you know it's like pick and choose i either do that or i do my alberta thing because it comes down to scheduling you know it's hard to be you you know just too many hunts too many places to be i don't know i feel like i'm content with things too and i'm not like i don't know i don't know if i would want to yeah, I'm just not a tro- like I'm not really a trophy person. And it's not so. trophy. I'm not a I'm not a trophy guy. Yeah. I uh um Cuz yeah, we talked about that. On some of them you're like I just got to get the species, you know. Yeah, and it's so on, you know, day 12, yeah, the, the the rule of thumb is never pass anything the first day you shoot on the last day, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh sometimes I enforce that rule quite often. Yeah. I do too. After you learn the hard way, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, this is going to be easy. I'm going to see a ton of them, and then, yeah, you know, you're done. Reality sets in. Right, right. Um, wow. Out of curiosity, what's what one tastes the best out of the out of the animals you shot? What do you feel like? Great question. Uh, well, before I answer that, I will tell you that polar bear is pretty darn good. Yeah. 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 You have to uh, kind of cook it. They, they've got big, thick blubber, and you kind of cook it with uh-huh. that. And, um, you know, you cut a bite and then a smaller bite of uh, blubber and pop that in. It's pretty good. That sounds cool. Of course, the locals, you know, they got to mess with the the city guys or whatever, and they gave me a... Uh, big old chunk of blubber to eat by itself and that was no bueno <laughs> that was no bueno and i was just trying not to make it you're all looking at me and i'm trying not to make a face yeah. and, and uh i was blown away in in africa um i was really fortunate i've got i've got and i've got several awesome friends down there but um i had several different experiences because i went to like different places when i was down there coaching some of the team guys um i would coach for a certain amount of time and then i would have time off and i kind of honestly i i traded them coaching for for hunting so i had you know i'd kind of coach like 60 or 70 percent and then get like a few days to hunt so i and i hunted a several different places just because you know i think they were i think they were like asking for like some donations to give to this guest that was coming you know i think they were saying like this guy's coming from the states or whatever so i might go to like this concession and only be able to shoot like a female eland and then i might go to this concession and i can only shoot red hartebeests wow but i got to like 
experience a lot, a, a lot. And um, it was unbelievable in all those camps. You have different, like, essentially different, like, I'm not saying like an executive chef, but you have the ranchers have their own style of cooking all these different types of game. And I was, I was actually blown away with like some of the things I shot in Africa that were just awesome. And then some of the things where I thought they would be good, you know, I'd be like, this is going to be like an awesome elk. And it just wasn't, you know, so what, what's I'm thinking, uh, polar bear was surprising. Yeah. Sick of blacktail is pretty good. Yeah, I could see that. Those are pretty pretty darn good. Um, I think antelope's over underrated. Yeah, I like it. I like antelope a lot. I think if oh, it's the taken antelope, care, the yeah. antelope is another one off. Yeah, for sure. On the list, I thought that was good. I was I've heard so many bad things about it. I was surprised. I know. You know what? I've I've said this a lot. I feel like. Um, just where antelope are naturally i feel like when people field dress them and like drag them out or like transport them out or they field dress them and put them in their vehicle and then like with that comes like dusty roads a lot of sage so i feel like when you're dragging your animal through that stuff i feel like you're kind of marinating it and (laughs) honestly like even those spots where it's really hot even when you take it to like a farm and you like skin it and then all of a sudden the farmer pulls up and there's just like dust everywhere i think all that plays in you know i've always when i shot my antelope they're small enough i just take them out whole yeah and then field dress them where i can control the environment and then they're they're awesome you know I really like it. It's one of my favorites. Do you you put it on the top? On the top three, you think? Yeah. 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 Antelope, Axis is up there, and Moose is probably going to be up yeah, there, too. Yeah, put Moose up there. You know, when it comes to... Axis is really good. When it comes to, like, um, attainable, like, pretty common things people could go shoot, you know, when it comes to North American game... Because obviously if I said something like, you know, zebra was surprisingly good, which it was, um, you're just not going to get one of those around here. I feel like the game animals that I've tasted that I've shot from a native place, but then shot the same animal in Texas, they definitely don't taste the same. Like I, for me, the axes I shot in Hawaii definitely stand out. Tastes better. Different than, than Axis that I shot there. In saying that, the Axis that I shot in Okeechobee, um, does the Brady Ranch yeah. still have ridiculous Axis? Yeah, I think like it's the biggest herd in the world. Or I think, something. well, I know at one time it was the largest in North America. Yeah. For sure. For sure. But I, and, yeah. and fair and fair chase, right? It's, yeah. It's, yeah, it's yeah. fair chase surrounded by a peninsula. They they literally have a gate in the front of the property to prevent them from getting on that highway, right? I've never been, but I yeah, I think they, I think they have something there to prevent them from like vehicle collisions. But they can't escape. They just the habitat's perfect. But that place was insane. That's that's some good meat. Yeah, that's I really liked sweet. it from there. It was it was uh, not so. I guess I don't know what's different from like 
just the Florida vegetation, what they're consuming versus Texas, but it was definitely not as much corn. It How was, about Neil Guy? Have you had one of those? I actually haven't. Rogan just shot one. He called me and uh, we talked about it. Now, a couple of my friends say it's like the best. Yeah. The best. Um, I've got a couple of my buddies from Texas that do it every year. Um, we got some like football buddy athlete guys that do it with the same group and they all love it they all like love it um but and and joe told me it was awesome but he also said like to him it didn't stand out as this is the best okay but people definitely like like neil guys neil guys want to hear quite often they're they're tough to stick with a bow too yeah yeah that's a that's a good hunt. They're they're cagey suckers. Yeah, as yeah. big as they are, they're yeah they're cagey. Hard to get on. So, one of the questions I asked you is now that you got this thing, like, where do you go from here? Is it kind of like a hex where all of a sudden you like got this thing done and now you're like, what do I do with myself? Um, or do you just say, great you know, question. I got. I got that out of the way. Now I can like narrow this down to the things that I really enjoy. I've, I've been um, trying to get my kids. I've been taking them on some uh, adventure hunts. Yeah. And uh, you know, like this spring, um, we went uh, bear hunt with Kyler and um, in Alberta, and my frick, my kids had the best time they've ever had in their life, and they had no idea they could be that cool and that fun. And that's, that was, you know, I would, if, if that wasn't part of the 29, I would add that trip into the top five for sure, yeah. just because it was great and, yeah. and getting them out and getting them, you know, they're both, uh, one killed one big one. And then, uh, my mother's son killed two good bears, but they're all archery and it was great. Well, so like bear hunting, um, bear hunting over bait gets a bad rap and honestly, I feel like there's different styles of hunting and there's like different purposes to it. Um, and different environments. Yeah. When you have that. someone that's like, you know, I feel like I'm well seasoned in spot and stock bear hunting. Um, but I also know that when Sharon and Harry were both interested in hunting and they wanted to hunt something, they kind of wanted to start, you know, getting into the, I want to shoot something cool category. So, I mean, I think a natural progression is like turkeys or hogs for people to where they can get some experience and there's not like so much going on. Um, I feel like hogs are such a great beginning bow hunting tool for like learning, learning spot and stock, being able to get close, kind of getting some comfort level with that. But even body angles and learning. Yeah. And even hunting them from a stand, I think, you know, that's super purposeful. Um, But after we had done that, which I took them to Florida for hogs, it was like turkeys, then it was hogs. And I, I took them to Florida where there was a lot of hogs and they were baited. And, and I was able to tell them, this is what it's going to be like for your shot. So I like, I made, you know, I put them in a ladder stand in the yard where they could climb up and I could, you know, have them buckle in and pull their bow up. 
show them how to like set their bow and then show them like, okay, you know, this should be situated to where like, here's your shot. And I, I actually had like a, a bear target and I had like a barrel I tipped over and I was like, you know, well for that one, it was, it was hogs. I just like had a bunch of, I had a couple of my hog targets around and I would, I, I had rebar only in one leg of the target. So what I would do is, yeah, I would, I would adjust, I would move a few of the targets to just adjust the angles. And then I would be like, okay, if these hogs were here, which one can you shoot? And so they would say, okay, this one. And then I would, I had like a little stick with a ball on the end of it. And I said, tell me where you're going to aim. And I would be down and I would move it around and they would say, yep, right there. Cause I talked to them about like being able to not think about where your arrow's entering, but where it's passing okay. through and yeah. where it exits. Right. So I taught them shot angles and everything from the ground, just created scenarios. And then once they shot hogs, you know, I said, I think like bears is the next step and hunting bears over bait with new archers is like it's a bigger animal they're very cool definitely something to seriously be proud of but also just such a great opportunity for a mentor to be able to be there with them and collect Absolutely. and collectively and calmly instruct during a hunting process which is very rare to be able to do so like if if you're anti-bait bear i mean i think you're there's an application to it that's so ethical because the situation is is honestly perfect for being able to make credible shots you know and I, I think for a new hunter, that's so, especially a new bow hunter, it's so important that they don't come out of the gate having to rush a shot and not know the angle or the place to, to hold and making a, you know, making a marginal shot to where now the first thing they've got to deal with is like a track job, you know, especially if it's a dry one. It's like even worse. So, just being able to have a big target in a in a controlled setting to where you're able to have discussion with those people. We went for several years to Alberta, and Sharon and Harry both loved it. And and I loved being there to be because I mean it. It's, it I felt like I was in the hunt the whole time because I was yeah talking <clears throat> to them about what's going on. So I mean that to me that that is such a needed a needed area for hunting and it, and the other things to uh to think about when a we were talking about it last night we should no hunter should ever be critical of an of another hunter unless it's blatantly unethical because yeah. we need to be banded together and uh we got enough people swinging at us for not you know don't be swinging internally but yeah the landscape probably where y'all were hunting and the, definitely the landscape where we were hunting would not be conducive to a spot and stalk. I'd rather yeah. them do a spot and stalk, yeah. but you just can't. There's yeah. just no way to get through those woods. Yeah, it's a jungle. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. A, and it's, it's kind of it like, is. you know, hunting hogs in Florida. Um, in the palmettas. <laughs> yeah, or the the swamp. You can't, yeah. you can't um, quietly get up on them. 
Yeah. Unless you got a you know huge wind or, or mm-hmm. something because you're going through the waters and the. Yeah, because sometimes when you shoot them and they get in there, and then like once you really have to start following them around, it gets pretty sketch. Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. On your hands and knees trying to get under something, then one's just sitting there like looking at you. (laughs) Or you look over and there's a big water moccasin uh, looking at you. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I hate snakes. Well, what uh, do you feel like? Do you feel like there were any where you you really would never do it again? Like you would, like you just are like, yeah. I did that, but I'll yeah. pass. Yeah, I'll pass. What was it? Um, wow. Rather not say. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. There's could be some people out there that just love it and yeah. it blows their skirt up. Well, there will be. Everything like, is yeah, is a will. personal choice. Yeah, there will be. But yeah, there are a few that I just you know wouldn't wouldn't repeat. Um. And glad that I did it and glad that I've got the experience and the experience was completely different. Yeah, you know what it was like, but you're like, okay, I got my fill. Like, I'm cool yeah. with the fact yeah. that I know I got one and I'm I'm good with that. Like, I would never, ever do a polar bear again. If I told Unless you... Unless he had him in Florida. See, I wouldn't either. <laughs> I, I've, I've shot a few. <laughs> they had him in Florida. There might be. Um, yeah gosh there there's a few things that that i really wouldn't care if i ever went back for or not and it and it's not because of any other reason than like i just i got one you know i'm like yeah you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna feel like i need to keep getting them it was like a cool hunt and i know it's something that sometimes you kind of know there's limit like i know as a hunter there's limits to how many are available and I do look at where I'm at. I always feel like I'm part of a of a bow hunting ecosystem. So I like waited my turn and then I've like had my turn. I guess sometimes I look at it that way for some of these animals where you know even though I loved like I loved my brown bear cuz I'm I'm a bear guy. I do love that. But like I probably wouldn't have if I could, I wouldn't have just like gone the next year and gone the next year. I would have been like, this is really fun. I know like mentally, I just thought, I know there's limitations and only so many guys can go. So I would probably just say, you know, I'm going to schedule it. And then I would look forward to it. Yeah. You know, I'd know like, you know, I'm actually going to do it. You know, if I said, ah, I'm going to do it again in three more years, you know, you kind of have something that you can look forward to. What was the most physically demanding Without a doubt, sheep. Which one? Um, well, uh, it was dirt. I don't know if you would, you know, paint it with a brush. Is this one is more difficult than that one? But, um, you know, uh, on my doll sheep hunt, we uh, got in, got on a band, and uh, they, for some reason, started where we were making our climb they just kind of came over and walked right into us we had no idea they were there they blew out so then that was it so we had to pack up camp move camp uh on our backs and um we ended up doing that three times right (laughs) and then when i finally shot one so in um you know late summer uh in alaska you get almost 24 hours or you do get 24 hours of sunlight Mm -hmm. so shot my sheep um 
took a couple pictures, got it cleaned up, and got you know got it on our backs. Um, it was 11 o'clock p.m. and we he you know my guide's like, all right, here's the deal: we can either climb that mountain or we can follow the river around and it'll dump out next to our camp. And I'm like, we got we got a pretty heavy load here, you know. We yeah. Got, we got all of our stuff plus a sheep and I said let's let's do the you know do the river and uh we ended up getting back to camp at about 8.05 a.m <laughs> that was a grind yeah, yeah. and yet you know those river rocks you've you've been there done that. yeah you're, you're you're not sure if it's going to roll or not and you step on it and it rolls and you're trying to you know with 100 pounds in your back yeah and and honestly it's like the best time to experience that because in the back of your mind you're like at this point, I don't care if I freaking break my cam. <laughs> exactly. What, exactly. Like when you have to do that when you haven't shot yet and you're like trying to not let your bow get detonated on something and then you like end up taking like rocks to your hips or your back or whatever because you're trying to like protect, pr- your bow, yeah. protect the bow. Oh, yeah. I think I still have bruises. So, so how long have you been uh, part of the, the Pope and Young Club? I've been with... Um, Pope and Young, I've been a life member probably eight or ten years, and uh, I'm guessing. I don't know. You have to kind of think. Do you score stuff? Do you enter stuff? So, like, even in Florida, um, I'll enter stuff just not for the score, not to get it. I've never even, I don't even know if I've ever looked myself up, but uh, that was that's one of the main support mechanisms for Pope and Young. Yeah. And uh, they they need that, yeah. that money. It's, you know, I forgot what it is, 45 bucks or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also, uh, I think it honors the animal that yeah. that it's going to be somewhere and remembered. But um, You think I'm not honoring animals by not scoring them? No, not at all. I think you, um, you've got your reasons why. And uh, although I'd love for you to score that deer I saw last night. <laughs> <laughs> That was a big, um, no, <clears throat> to each its own, you know, it's, um, if you're all about the score, then I'm not, that's not, uh, I don't want, I don't want to hang around those kind of guys. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, because <clears throat> like my stone sheep, uh, any, I would have shot anything legal, right? I don't really care about it's yeah. such a trophy and it's, and it's such, so hard to do with a uh, bow, um, but you know, it ended up paying off. It was, uh, it was, it was pretty good. You know, it's kind of cool. There, there's, like, I'm starting to definitely see some differences, and like, it's almost like there's subcategories in trophy hunters. And trophy hunters isn't necessarily a good name for all of them. Yeah, um, honestly, I'm, it's it's not a, it's it's that's a probably a good name for like a specific type of bow, you know, or hunter. There's definitely people that, you know, are like every time they see something, they're like guessing it to the two ace of an inch, you know, when they're like, oh, I bet it'll go like 196 and two ace. And you're like, through a spotting scope? Like, and what? to me, a, a true trophy hunter is somebody that uh, passes on immature animals. Yeah. Well, see, that's that's. Waits. A- for a big, you know, for a mature animal that might be big or might not be big, but he's mature. That, that, that's, that's where I was going. Is is uh, I have I have a buddy in particular that 
like his tr- the, the fact that he's a trophy hunter is he is an age hunter he's an age hunter on a level that's like more than i've ever seen and it it's kind of wanted <laughs> it's kind of made me change a little bit um but in another way you know i think if something's past a teenage year like i'm i'm pretty i'm pretty down with shooting it i'm not like if i'm if i'm somewhere where they manage and they're about age i 100% like am on the program with that i'm down with it but normally that takes areas where you have more room to be able to do that you know cuz it's like even in my area like the farms i hunt none of the farms i hunt are if i pass deer that i that honestly i'm happy with that deer could be on four different neighbors properties within within 60 seconds walking so i you know for me it's like that's kind of hard to manage and i feel like you know if they were like once i hit 21 they're like old enough to drink if i'm hunting on my own (laughs) yeah you know if they're they're it's not like they're old enough to smoke you know or like you know watching our movie that's to me that's kind of the you know a three-year-old you know three-year-old possibly if possibly a known four-year-old that you know has the potential to be to just boom i would say that would be like an 18 year old you know mentally but like once once they're like four and depending on like their genetics four to five except for i like a a a younger elk probably not but like for whitetail is what i'm talking for sure i'm i'm okay with but i feel like there's subcategories there are guys that measure stuff and talk score and like just talk score and that every second and then there's people that then there's people that i feel like and that person also like i've seen people start measuring something like before you've even field dressed it you know what i mean and for for me that's a little weird um because I, you know i i honestly love the breakdown process and i love i love the photography i really love caring like i love getting a great picture of the animal and 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 honestly when i do that's when like me having heads or trophies Mm -hmm. like just become it just becomes way less important to me because i you know a good photo i love it like that late season whitetail i shot this year um it was the smallest whitetail i shot all year but it's probably my like i've looked at that one the most because it was minus 40 that that sunset was unbelievable um he was a a very awesome eight. Did you point. guys get that minus forty? I'm out here. Well, it was, I think it was like minus twenty. Like but it felt like minus forty. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm I'm out here right now, and it is. Well, it was like five cold. yesterday, so it was like warmer Holy than when I hunted. It, it was cold. I couldn't even get to the house. But so there's like the there's like the score fanatics. There's the insta scorers, and then I think. I think the category that I really appreciate the most are 
the the age hunters. You know, yeah. I I think I think out of all of them, the age hunters have the most discipline of For sure. of all hunters, and and like tons of respect goes to it. Um, Lee Lakowski's like nuts that way. You know, he he talks. You know, he'll say like, "Yeah, he was a good deer," but I think he was like within the first sentence. If you talk deer with Lee, he's gonna talk about eight. Well, no. He'll say score, then he'll say age, and then like, but the age holds more weight to the score. That's awesome. You know, and I'd love to go back to pictures for a second. Um, yeah, because I think there's a huge opportunity, um, but uh, in our community, and how important pictures are, especially when you're posting them or oh yeah, uh, anything like that. I, I hunted with um, some outfitters from California um, that are amazing and the husband wife and she it was really early on in uh in my kind of my quest or whatever but really taught me how important a good picture is and yeah making sure that you know not only is the tongue not hanging out but all the blood is off the animal and mm-hmm. the animal is clean because not everybody that's going to see that picture is going to be a hunter and appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And if they see blood and all of that, I mean, she went as far as to put contacts yeah. in the deer's eye, yeah. right? Just to make, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, I think that would help the hunting community a little bit if we can just get everybody to clean their deer up a little bit before they, uh, yeah. or whatever animal that is. It's such a interesting subject too, because um, I really appreciate photos. And you know who taught me that? A hundred percent, like, anything any like trophy photo i have if that all got boiled down to where i was taught the importance of that photo needing to be nice was joel maxfield really oh yeah yeah like because when when joel and i started hunting together um you know it was all 35 millimeter and you know if joel shot something like if and you took a rude photo of it you were going to hear about it like <laughs> we you know we would t- we would take rolls rolls of fo- like i still have you know I, I still have packets of 35 millimeter film from like you know the best thing that happened honestly was when walmart got one hour photo because you know and and what sucked was like me taking a good like trophy shot like a lot of my early trophy shots were all 35 millimeters so like i didn't know what adjusting an f-stop or an aperture was really doing because you couldn't see it it wasn't exposed yet so we would take we would get a pose and joel taught me about like okay we'll get this pose it looks cool through the lens and you know, take it, take, you know, three or four, couple pictures horizontal, couple pictures vertical, change your aperture, you know, take a couple pictures this way, you know, okay, change your ISO because like you don't know what that camera and that film speed and everything's doing. It wasn't digital. So like you would have times where you'd go and get your, your photos and look through and there might be 10 that were just like, almost whited out and overexposed but then all of a sudden you would get a couple in there that were just like whoa the depth of field is perfect and like the color was awesome and like everything matched so we always had 
honestly, Joel was adamant about that. Like, even when we, even when we went fishing together, like we have pictures, you know, of like every fish we caught and like, and you know, he would just be like, you know, you know, get them out there and clean them up. And like, you know, he, he was adamant about that. So it's important. uh, Yeah. And I got to the point where once I started doing that, I look at my photos way more than I look at like antlers or anything like that. You know, I look at photos a lot. So when they're clean, you also want to look at them, you know, and, and the hunting community, the, the, the really crazy part about this thin line is there's there's definitely a part of me that doesn't want to be apologetic and there's certainly some brands that are really starting to say like we want to not apologize about any part of our hunting i think there's an important in between of like you know we need to be we need to be professional about what we love to do. We need to have a professional presentation. Agreed. You know, if you look at the bow hunting community like a business that's running and it has to function around other businesses, you know, you don't want to, just because you can have a bumper sticker that says go F yourself, doesn't mean that's what you have on your bumper when you pull, you know, when you pull up in front of people that are can potentially be triggered. I don't know. I don't want to be apologetic either. And honestly, um, I've, I've, I've got to the point now where like the blood on the animal, I don't try to, cause I used to, if something was pretty bloody, I used to, if nothing else, I would clean it up with Photoshop. I would desaturate that area so that it at least looked like brown dirt, not blood. Um, but I'm kind of to the point now where it's like, I'm not going to apologize for blood tongue hanging out or sunken eyeballs yeah i mean i could i could not do much and make a way better powerpoint presentation to someone right and and probably get my message across a little cleaner and for me i've been able to recognize that because like you know sharon's family's from england and on i mean my family right they're my family too i would definitely say half of my family is from england so the fact that they can see my pictures and not be like, oh, no, that's that's important for our community. Absolutely. Um, because I've been on flights to Europe where I've been, you know, I've gone through airports where I traveled with a camo, uh, a camo bow case, rolling case at one time that never made it through. Like, if you take camo through Charles de Gaulle, you're asking for it. Yeah. Like, you're asking for it. If you yeah. have a camo bow case camo duffel bag like you're kind of asking for it certain certain countries for sure you know certain london airports um but if you make it to where when they see it they're like i'm not into that really but you know it's a beautiful photo that's good for everybody i mean truthfully it, it really is um but in another strange way i there's a part of me that loves the nostalgia of like my first photos where I was like, where, no where my grandfather told me like, you know, let's get them in the back of the truck, you know, get up in there. And they would take like one picture 
of that and then move on, right? Get them with skin and rack. So I, I value those pictures too, but I, you know, I think because those pictures at the time were for a family photo album, pictures nowadays are for a social presence more than a family photo album. Like you used to not see pictures like that unless you were like within the personal space of the family and they were showing you a, a, a photo album, right? Yeah. That and and the pictures that I have from when I was young are from my uncle's and my grandfather's home photo albums where I found them, because it's not like there's multiple Polaroids. There, no. there was one, right? And the other factor is the uh, the the uh, general public, uh, their attitude uh, towards hunting has changed over the last call it thirty years. Yeah, there's a very awesome opportunity right now. There is. Um, there's there's curiosity there's more curiosity on the subject of eat, you know knowing where your food came from than in my lifetime For that sure. I remember um so I don't think you want to sugarcoat it but I th- you know I personally don't want to sugarcoat it because then it's going to be a real freaking shock if they actually go and do it and you've like sugar-coated all this stuff um but you can also address it in a different way like you can you know talk about the importance of like you know how cool a food photo would look versus you know maybe someone's like yeah i had a i had a a, a friend of mine's dear friend is from new york comes come he works at a company that definitely is not like the tower that he's and i shouldn't say the tower because he's not in the tower he's actually in like a building right building kind of close to broadway well it's on broadway um but like hunting isn't something they're going to like talk about in the office and so but he really wanted to have the holistic approach of like i'm i i love the this and i like being able to eat it and stuff um but like he didn't really want to he was okay with like one picture but he didn't want to like glorify like getting a picture like a trophy photo as much but he really he really was happy about the fact that you know we had a chef there and uh when chad ward made it it was really rewarding to him like to see it on a plate yeah really rewarding which is super cool so we don't want to take that person and steer him away but i also like there's no way i'm going to let people tell me that i shouldn't be proud of like what i am in my own way because like you know i don't i think pictures are important you know i really do i think they're important and i know there's there's some vocal people about not taking uh well now they're called hero shots right so they're already being labeled in kind of a negative term with from within our own industry really yeah so like i've seen that yet yeah so like a hero shot would be like you behind an animal right oh well so that's more of a hero shot and and i feel like mm, for me i think those are important some of the shots where it's just like you know 
they try to get more artistic. I mean, that's awesome. I love artistic photos. Like there's people out there that are showing an animal that, you know, an animal that's been shot in a very, very awesome light. But I also don't want to forget anything about the moment. Like, no, that's like, a, it's a I can, memory, right? Yeah, I can it's tell the memory. story of, and the older I get, the more I forget, like, dang near something every day in my life or at work or whatever. But people are like, when they walk around and like point to a rack, even if it's something that like isn't up on a wall, it's just like, you know, amongst others. I'll be, I, I like, I can tell you the story. That's exactly right. My brother was, uh, busting my chops. He was, you know, uh, and I call it the memory room. Mm -hmm. Right. And he's like, why, you know, why do you have this and that? And I said, started pointing out animals i can tell you know the total weather conditions what was going on how many yards shot it was what what happened afterwards you know it was day 12 but i can do that all the way around the room and yeah. it's it truly is a memory and if you don't if i'm not looking at it i'm i i don't think i'd remember that you know like uh i hadn't been to my down to like my family's uh town my mom's side in quite a while pretty long time and i definitely hadn't um been to where i started bow hunting down on my uncle's place hadn't been there in a in a long time hunting you know probably since early 2000s um and even then it was kind of just like coming in for a day or two for holidays but it had been 20 years since i had been like on that place wow um and at the time, pines hadn't been planted yet. So, like, we're all the open fields and, like, CRP areas and stuff like that back then, they were open. So, like, there was hardwood areas with a lot of open stuff, and then it got planted into, you know, pines for, for harvesting. So, 15-year-old pines make things look really different, you know, very, very different. Yeah. And... As we were driving around on, and this was, um, you know, I think it's was around 800 acres or whatever. Uh, I would see like a tree that I would remember, and I'd be like, I said, "Is this where that stands, like over that edge?" And it, and you kind of had to walk around the point of that lake down there, and then, you know, that stand was up there, and he's just like yeah yeah we call that six now and i'd I'd be like yeah i remember remember that first time you gave me a rifle i went there and you know i had like you know a dry fire on a rifle like and 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 like as we once i got one bearing i kind of started to know where i was even though we were like driving around this place in very different a very different manner than back when it was very open and i just remembered like sits from when i was well 30 plus years ago i remembered sits as a young kid not even a teenager yet i remember like like oh you made i sat there the whole day that day like and then i you know i remember like so many things about it for whatever reason hunting hunting always it's like if I have like a work file at work for whatever reason, when there's a work file that's hunting, it's like my mind's like click save before you like 
have like an emergency power down and forget about it type thing. It just loads it in like as part of what's happening. What do you think of the new uh, kind of Pope and Young's really uh, rebranded itself? You know, I think it's exciting. I like the direction. I do too. They're headed in and I'm really, really excited that you're uh, uh, joining their efforts. Um, you bring a whole different group and a whole lot of credibility, yep. and um, I think you're. Uh, I was upfront about you know when they said like, "Hey, we would love you to be part of part of it," because I I do some stuff in other organizations. Like, there's other organizations I'm, I serve on a board with, or I'm, I do committees for and stuff that I'm not really vocal about because I'm trying to do my part behind. Like, I'm trying to do my part without bringing attention to it you know so there's certain areas so like when this came up i kind of just made it clear because i'm 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 very well connected to like other organizations that that have score but i'm also not like i'm a member and on committees so it's not like i have i'm not like speaking out loud publicly about it so for like with pope and young you know they kind of said specifically like we would like you to be a voice for the club and i just right away just said like you know i don't score anything right and that's such a small part of yeah and 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 the fact that like the the response was that's what we that's why you're the person like because that's such a small part of what we're doing and they said we're actually going to make a push to let people know about really the the value that the club brings to the to the entire hunting community not just bow hunting it's it brings value to the whole hunting community with the effort and i was like yeah that's that's awesome i'm down with that because like you know i've got a life membership you didn't know that i have a life membership every year every single year i budget i budget something to to become a life member of a different organization because I know what life memberships do to help different organizations. So I try to pick something every year to become a life member. Too. That's awesome. So, you know, and, and honestly, like I'm kind of a worthless life member because I just have donated the money, um, to but be, a, to be a life member, but I'm not like, you know, worried about, you know, life member John Dudley shot this this year or whatever. I'm not, you know, I'm not about that. So um, no, they'll use that money. Because even like the Iowa bow hunters, I know for a fact the Iowa bow hunters put such an effort into the different things that they fight for. For, in my opinion, one of the awesomest whitetail states in you know in the world that I know of. When it comes to, you know. Midwestern style, well, honestly, not even Midwestern. Let's just say uh, east of the Mississippi. Well, I guess I can't say that either. Um, I don't know. Like, we just represent whitetail hunting that's, um, you know, I know there's certain areas where it's a lot more open, and I'm not saying this to, like, talk about areas where you bait whitetails because there's some areas there's no way you would – get one if you didn't bait it like the and there's such limited cover and they're in grass but when i'm talking like hunting whitetails and timber and like just 
whitetail stuff, right? Iowa is just the most like majestic place I've ever done it. So this would why be a good w- time for me to encourage everybody to s- not put uh, put in for tax. Yeah, in do Iowa. not put do in. not put in tax yeah. for Iowa. Please. Hey, I'm here now. I don't I know care. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, back when I was out of state, I would have <laughs> I would have had my lip zipped right up about Iowa. Yeah, but the thing is, the Iowa bow hunters they fight for really important rules that honestly some of the rules relate to the non-residents that you know that are wanting to come in and they're just making sure that there stays implications in place to where you know residents can still hunt and non-residents you know have a system to where you know it's not random too like the the system now it's a good draw system you know you got to get points you know the point system was great when it was points well when there was no points and it was just random that was kind of just chaos you know yeah so just like helping them or um you know the rocky mountain elk foundation uh came here one time and asked me to speak and they were like you know we'd love it if if um if we could get some life members in it. So I just like, they said, if you could mention it and I just said, yeah. So I went up there and I'm just like signing, like I'm going to sign up right now, you know, Good for here, you. here's, here's my check and you know, you guys do it too type thing. Um, and I don't know. I think it's so important and it's, it's honestly an investment into what we really, really love. There's, there's some critical ones out there fighting for us right now. Pope and Young's one of them. And, you know, if there's, if there's, if you ever have contemplating being part of a club like that, like you're this hourglass of a very important part of time is getting dangerously thin unfortunately because there's there's pioneers to it like because everyone talks about like fred bear you know well fred bear's gone listen there there is a there is a lot of people that are that type of figure that are getting later in age like much later in age to where jack frost and yeah i mean you know just a lot of them right to where it's like you don't know year by year if you could if you would have even if that person that person might just decide to like fully retire from like going places publicly and traveling so much or not going to a show so it's like there's not you're you know if you're a bow hunter and you're 19 years old right now and you have 40 bucks or, you know, this convention coming up looks awesome. I'm going to make a post about um, the Reno convention because you can still sign up to go. But listen, there's not a lot of time on the clock left to where you can go to a convention like that and book into that VIP event and be able to, like, go there. Like, I'm, I'm going to go there and see people I've wanted to see my whole bow hunting life, right? Yeah. And weirdly, I'm going to be talking to you know talking to them when i have to speak um but there's not a lot of time of for that to be an option so like you've got to get in there 
if you want to if you want to be able to have experience with some of these pioneers to our sport you know icons to our sport don't wait around that's a great that's a great place to do it because I've just sat at a table and then all of a sudden somebody that I've been reading about for 15 years sits down <laughs> and is like, Hey dude, what's up? I'm like, uh, 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 hi, you know? And, uh, next thing you know, they're giving you outfitters and they're like, if you're going to do this, go with this guy, stay away from this guy. And, and, uh, and the great thing about archery, um, is there are very few significant jerks most mm-hmm. everybody's a great guy yeah you know because that's that's part of what we do and why we do it um it, it that's not easy and it's difficult and it takes a lot of practice and it takes a lot of training and time and everybody's kind of on that same level and if you're typically you know not a nice person you're just going to go to gun hunting yeah yeah but you can walk around at pope and young and everybody's awesome yeah that i'm going to be pretty excited i'm going to be nervous and excited but i think um i think it's a honestly everything happens for a reason and i think it's a i think it's a very perfect time i guess in my timeline for that to happen um because i probably like even if i would have been asked to talk it, you know, I mean, I did a lot of dumb stuff in my 20s, you know. I think we all did. Yeah, we all, like, 20s, 30s, you know, maybe even some more. Um, and it's, it's like the perfect time to be able to, you know, to be able to kind of see some of the things I did as a hunter that I should have done differently and could have done differently, but also i'm it's at the for me and and the message that i'm going to give there i'm at the point of my life where i actually looking back realize things that happened that were absolutely critical to i believe saving my life i i just um i just proved a video for like the last the last hunt that's going to be posted i think and um during the recovery of that video and i i don't like rehearse what i'm gonna say i i really always try to talk you know i always try to coach it's just how i it's who i am and um you know i just as i was like walking up to this buck i had this flashback of you know back when i hunted in mississippi and we just got power in that old like it was a trailer home that was like used and derelict and we they drug it out there so we would have that was like our camp and then when we got power well, you know a generator ran power to that thing which you know the power didn't work the rooms wouldn't light up at first we just had like a lamp right or whatever and then once you get power it's all working and then then next thing you know like my uncle got monster bucks videos and i remember watching some of these early monster buck videos where they shot these texas deer and it was like holy cow to be like imagine being able to do that one day you know i I remember thinking that as a kid and then that flashed back to me as i as i was walking up to that deer i don't know if it was deja vu or anything and and when i sat down behind it and i was self-filming 
So I like put my camera up and when I sat down behind it, I realized, you know, I think I said something like just how important bow hunting was to me and that I honestly feel like the lessons I learned from hunting saved my life. You know, the, the highs, the lows, the struggles, um, the, the times where, you know, you think you can't go further and the, and you do, and it like works out and the patience you have to learn. And like, you know, the, just, just everything. I feel like I was so, I could, I had the opportunity to be so reckless. My parents were divorced. My mom was super career focused. My dad was gone. I mean, I lived by myself a lot, a lot. And if it weren't for me loving that so much, I could have got, like, I could have got reckless, you know. I just could have got really, you know, I could have just, you know, ended up dead from a magnitude of things. Hanging out with the wrong people, which you don't really get to do when you're, you know, if you're wanting to go hunt. I know I got to get up at 5 a.m. to go shoot geese and drag all my own stuff out there, and you know, whatever. You just you can't do that stuff like I did I didn't party in high school you know I because it was like I had practice and then on the weekends if we didn't watch game film then I wanted to be able to go on a hunt you know I wanted to go hunt if I felt like crap I couldn't or if you know if it was kind of closer to summer and I was hunting in the evening and it didn't get dark you know I always come out at dark 30 well if I haven't eaten I come out at nine o'clock home at nine thirty. Then I make something to eat, and usually in that case, I would just order Domino's pizzas, and you know, my and mom just had check. like money there for like, <laughs> hey, eat, you know, order your food, whatever. Um, it's that's so. It's a great example. It of saved my life. So important, hundred percent for us to get the next generation out in the woods. Yeah, right, or on the water, or they don't even have to be hunting or fishing. It can just be in the woods, um, appreciating what. Uh, what we have and what what we have access to and um, I know the the biggest saying if your your kids are hunting you're not hunting for your kids but there's a lot of truth to that there is and um, I take that real serious very seriously and uh, I dedicate a lot of my volunteer time to getting kids out in the woods and on the water and uh, that's that's our responsibility as people who love this sport is to make sure we pass it on and keep it going yeah you know a couple years ago I kind of I had a saying that I kind of talked in my mind I was just like you know if you're not if you're not hunting with if you're not hunting with your friends then you should be hunting for your friends you know because I'm, I'm like either I'm either I'm hunting with them or I'm 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 mentoring and I'm hunting for them you know and like leading them but for whatever reason last year um i just had this need to to not want to hunt like for other people or for a purpose so this whole past season i kind of just went back to what my roots were and honestly my roots kind of go back to you know when i hunted with my family i only ever I only ever got to hunt with my uncle or my cousin. It was three of us. If if I move forward of when I hunted the south and I move forward to when I hunted when I hunted at Matthews, I mean, honestly, I I mainly hunted 
mainly hunted with Joel and Brat uh, and Brandon. I mean, Brandon the most, Joel second, you know, probably Brad third. But like, that was three people too, you know. And then, and then like, kind of after, um, then then another one came in actually, and but like one kind of went out, and then there was like, you know, there was seemed like there was always three of us that were tight, and that kind of always stayed that way. And then now, once I moved past that, it really became like, you know, me and and Dusty and Jeremy. Um, from Canada, you know, my, my, yeah. my guys from Canada were like kind of really my brotherhood. It seemed like down here in the States, it, it was normally pretty small, but it kind of changed depending on who was getting a tag. Cause like we all couldn't hunt together all the time, but it was always small. And so I always like, I don't know, it was just part of me from the beginning it's not like i ever wanted it or asked for it or did but that was just like what made me feel at home as a bow hunter and uh this past year i kind of just said like hey all these people i've been working for or working for to like get them into bow hunting get them success they've had success and i felt like i'd been like holding the back seat of their bicycle you know long enough and i and you know i could like last year there was several of my good friends that I'd hunted with for multiple times where I just envisioned like my fingertips like not even really touching the back the back of the bike seat and I'm like you're riding your bike you're riding on your own you got this you got it like go and then when I realized that I kind of just said like let them go but like reground yourself back to like what makes you love it so that I could be charged up again because it 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 has really drained me at times you know so to get charged up again and be able to which I I feel like after this past year you know I kind of just went a lot on my own or with Jeremy and Dusty were kind of the bigger ones um i it seems like i always have little groups of three for whatever reason but i got to see some of my best friends in different key locations but they were also doing their own thing which was cool and uh i don't know i i love talking to bow hunting people but you know i want to i want to ask you more about like every hunt too (laughs) you know but it um so critical that honestly like what you talked about the fact that you opened my eyes having a discussion with the bow hunter you totally opened my eyes to a different way that i viewed um totally different way that i viewed the slam because i've always just thought like i just don't have an interest to do it but that one thing you said made me go be like wait a minute are there like some very different type of adventures that I've just not oh yeah looked into enough to where like I could end up being addicted to it which could be problematic <laughs> you know for sure so it was for me it was it, well, yeah. yeah well it was an awesome discussion dude I'll see you in a couple months yeah right
Well, I would be remiss if I didn't take the opportunity to thank you for what you do for our sport. I mean, um, as far as representing us well and teaching and showing and doing it all out of the goodness of your heart and your passion for for, uh, archery is absolutely amazing. And there's just a lot of people out there that uh, drink your Kool-Aid and uh, love what you do and are very appreciative. And I'm happy to be able to sit here and tell you that because <laughs> um, it's, uh, you're the, uh, the Zen goat master. <laughs> oh, dang, a goat master. Yeah. Probably have to shoot a goat to be able to like truly. Well, greatest of all time. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, very awesome. Well, thank you so much, dude. I'll see you soon and knock on everybody. Be sure to check out knockonarchery.com for our full line of custom designed products as well as free in-depth education and bow hunting entertainment to help you shoot at your best.